program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness Podcast. Share your hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Carlin Shaw. Super excited to have her. We were just chatting happily about where she lives and her life. And they were like, oh, we gotta we gotta do a podcast. <laughs> but something really fun about Carlin, I don't know if you know this, but you mentioned that you did not have teeth. And I wanna hear that whole story, but I too did not have my teeth from nine to 21. Oh, my wow. Teeth. I was in a bicycle accident. I flew 30 feet and landed on my face. So not everybody can brag in America about not having all of their teeth. And you and I have that in common. So I um, shared what? You're like soul sisters. That's exactly <laughs> how I lost my teeth. What? Yeah, I was literally thrown over my handlebars and hit with nothing but my face. And they shattered on impact and were lodged into the... Yeah, that's... Well, I can tell you that we'll get into the nitty gritty. Because it's more Okay, than, okay. It's yeah, more so stuff. yeah, I lost mine in a bicycle accident too. But you, it was from how old to how old that you didn't have your teeth? Well, I'm going to have to give you and your listeners the whole story. Okay. 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 Because, um, and, then, and then I would love to learn, like, do you have implants? What was your journey? Like we can talk, <laughs> we can talk like oral yeah. surgeon, dentist talk. Um, my, my story was, uh, if you aren't listening to your intuition, if you're ignoring your truth, if you're not speaking your truth, um, the universe will smack you upside the face. <laughs> and I always say to people, it doesn't have to be this painful. Yeah. You know, you can avoid these, but let me go back a little. So I was 36 years old and living in Denver, Colorado. Um, I, I, I don't know how deep in the trenches you want me to share the, the trenches here. The story. Hey, let's do it. Okay. Let's pretend it's just you and me. Okay. Here we go. So I was in a relationship that, I mean, long story shortish, I was in a relationship that from the beginning, I wasn't on this, I wasn't feeling the same thing he was feeling, only I was being courted and he was a great guy. And I kept thinking to myself, well, this is, this must be what it is. I'm just not there yet. And a little background on his story was um, he was a widower. His wife had actually taken her life Oh, that's and so um, her name so was hard. similar to mine. And there was all these interesting um, awarenesses that I have. One of my superpowers is synchronicity mm. and my ability to connect with spirit. So I see number patterns and all these things that show me when I'm on the right path and when I'm not. And I was getting all the clear signs to run. But you were in love. Person, this person needed me. Mm. And that's what happens. Oftentimes we show up and we try and help people and we stop helping ourselves. So what happened was, um, I was unhappy in my job. 
very unhappy. And, uh, I manifested, I like to say I manifested my layoff. It worked out perfect. And I, uh, the date and everything, they let me off right before the trip I was going to take to Mexico. Only now I wasn't running away from the job. Now I could go right to Mexico. So I'm in Mexico. He's texting me. I love you. I miss you. And I'm like, I could stay longer, but you're right. He loves me. He misses me. I should go back. So mm -hmm. I'm back two days. There's a concert at Red Rocks, which is where everyone goes to shows in Colorado. Um, my intuition is telling me not to go, but how do you say no to a concert? So I go within 20 minutes of being there. He threw me a Frisbee. I jumped to get it and I broke my foot. Now, the thing is, I am at this point a runner. Um, I can share more of my story later, but I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was 19. And mm. part of my healing journey is becoming a runner. So now I have no job and I broke my foot. And it's by the way, June 21st. So it's the beginning of summer. And so now this is where like codependency starts kicking in. Now he feels bad. Well, all I want to do is get my foot fixed so I can be running and hiking and celebrating my time that I now have free because I don't have a job. And I go, I learn I have to have foot surgery. So I go to the- And you don't have insurance. Well, I have Cobra out the wazoo. Right. That's which I am always, I'm always like, why did they decide- um, was it one of the Kennedys who decided in like the sixties or something that insurance should be tied to your employment or before it wasn't, it was something like you bought your car insurance, right? Don't get me started. Yeah. Okay. And then so, is so expensive. So I'm like, you're unemployed and you got to pay extra anyway. So let we right. won't so get started. Honestly, <laughs> at the end of the day, I was grateful for Obamacare because I'd had pre-existing my entire life and there was uh -huh. yeah, with the MS. Yeah. And this actually like at least it was more affordable than it was in 2011 when mm -hmm. it didn't exist yet or something hadn't happened yet and I was paying really out the wazoo. So now I'm unemployed, broken foot find out I have to have foot surgery, tell, you know, my friend, everyone knows I'm a runner. It's a big deal. And, um, I decide the night before my surgery that it's a great idea to, they say, don't drink after midnight. So I took my last shot of tequila, I think at 1145, it was taco Tuesday night. And my boyfriend now who I'm still with, I'm like, he's like, what do you want to do before you get surgery? I'm like, let's go out for tacos. So I wake up the next morning, I go in for surgery and I'm a little hungover. And so I was a nurse recruiter, little backstory, the job that I'd left, I was a travel nurse recruiter for like nine years. So uh -huh. I can, talk, I'm not a nurse, but I can talk nurse talk. So I'm hanging out with the nurses and I'm like, I think I might need some saline. I'm a little dehydrated. And they're like, well, just, you know, we, we need to get your vitals and we'll do all this. So I'm now hooked up to a bed. I've got my vital. They're giving me the saline and, um, you know, they come over and take all my blood and urine and all the things. And um, while I'm laying on this table, I find out I'm pregnant. And oh. my boyfriend now, who I know deep down, I, beyond a shadow of a doubt, do not want to spend the rest of my life with, but I've been too scared to speak my truth. And who had prior to that told me um, his purpose was to be a father. And now the universe comes in with the first two by four. Right, right. And, um, and I'm making a very long story short without going into the whole story. That could be another conversation. Um, I knew what I needed to do and it was a very difficult decision to make. Um, but I had the love and support. I finally told my mom, my mom flew out and um, I had my abortion. I am now broken foot, no job, just had an abortion. It has been a total of like two and a half months. So that is a lot 
that's a lot. We're not even stuff. at the peace part yet. This is right, all right. A lot of emotional stuff to deal a with. A lot of emotional stuff. And then three weeks. And so I don't know, like your, your body goes through a lot of healing when you go through all of these things. And, um, right. and at this point I was existing. I was living a lie. Nobody, I hadn't posted on Facebook. Everyone, I basically went on Facebook and said, oh, my doctor had to reschedule the surgery. I'm just going to heal it myself. And I did heal my foot myself. I ended up running all my marathons without ever having surgery. And I, I did heal it myself. So that's wow. another story. But anyways, three weeks and six days after um, I had my abortion, my boyfriend and I in this existing space, he's like, let's try and have some fun. And uh, we'll go to the football game. So we're riding, we get on our bikes. He's like, and I didn't really want to go, but I, I, what are you going to do? Let's go try and have some fun. And uh, so like, we get on our bikes to go to the football game. I'm on my bike for maybe a total of 10 minutes. Bike starts making this weird screechy sound. And um, I look up, I tell him something's wrong. He hears it. He's like, I'll get off at the stop sign. We'll, we'll fix your bike. The second he gets off and turns around is the exact moment that my bike locked up. It was the rubber of my tire hitting the metal of like the mud guard or something uh-huh. on my eight speed cruiser. And it locks up, throws me over. I hit with nothing but my face, but I hit so hard. I scorpion. So I like land on my back. I flip. And before yeah. I know it, he's triaging me. I'm in an ambulance. But before I get in the ambulance, I look up at the sky and it's this beautiful blue sky. And then when it's your face, you know, you can't see it. You're like looking down. You just kind yeah. of feel like blood drip. Well, you were nine. I don't know how much you remember it, but like, you're just kind of like, what just happened? Yeah. And, and you know, um, thankfully and I felt, the body puts you in shock. Right. The body puts you in shock. Yeah. And I looked up and I said, if this is how I'm going to go, I'm ready. Like I oh. was just, I, what is going on in my life? So at that point, um, you know, I wouldn't have shared, I got in a bike accident, but my mom knew and she goes on Facebook and is like, send your prayers. Carlin's been in a bad, she made it sound a lot worse, but like, whatever. Well, there's but a at the end of the day, plus you have MS. Right. I had to have the CT scan. I had to do all the things. Yeah. So, um, and it ended up being this outpouring of love I received. I never would have no, I would never would have received had my mom not put it out there. And everyone's asking me how I'm doing, how I'm doing, how I'm doing. And I was not, my face was not doing well. I did not look pretty. I didn't even know if I was going to get back to me. I it was, it was a very terrifying, you know, my lips were shredded. My face was all road rashed. It was very bad. Mm-hmm. And, um, but everyone's asking me how I'm doing. So I'm like, fine guys, I'll show you how I'm doing. You know, everyone's like, Oh, Whoa, wait a minute. Wow. And so this is where I started. I developed this. I was so broken that this broke me open. Oh, I love that line. I was so broken. This broke me open. Amen, sister. I love that. And I said that you can take my job, which actually was, I wanted it. Yeah. You can can do all these things to me, but you cannot steal my smile. This is where I draw the line. And I'd been known for my smile my whole life. I was, I was nicknamed smiley as a kid. And, um, and I decided to not hide. And so when you lose your teeth and maybe this was your journey as well, it took me a year and 23 days to get these implants from yep. beginning to end. And the reason and, for that, for the listener is the bone has to heal. Yes. Yeah, so I had to get so, a bone graft. 
Yep. And they have to make sure there's no air bubbles. And then they put the post in and it has to bond. And then you get a Maryland bridge and they have to rebuild, rebuild your papillas, which is the gum in between your teeth who knew it had a fancy name. And right. then, um, so it's a journey. And in the process of this, I mean, while your gums are healing, you're given a retainer with fake teeth on it. That is a big plastic piece that covers the whole roof of your mouth and has these. But you fake- can't eat with it in. Oh my God, we're soul sisters. <laughs> You can't eat with it. You can't enjoy a drink with it. You can't kiss with it. Remember, I'm 36. You can't kiss with it. I I'm 48, but I still kiss. Right. So. You have a thing still? No, no. But oh. I'm saying even right. when I had this, there was no like, oh. no, sorry, we can't. Well, no, it was like teeth or no teeth. That was just how it rolled. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't keep the teeth in. So here's how it's going. Yeah, I wiggled it. Oh, there you I go. I wiggled it and entertained small children. Oh, and oh, this is the story. Will yeah, I did not hide, hide it at all. I oh totally my God, I love it. that this is our, that we share this. It's incredible. You got to get one of my shirts now. It's, it's a done deal. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so my, my Halloween costume was all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. I, oh went, <laughs> I went and sat on Santa's lap with my hair and pigtails yeah. with a t-shirt that said, I believe. And everyone got that as their Christmas card. And, um, and I, and then it became this thing where everyone else was, you know, wanting, they'd say, I don't know if I could do this. And I would explain, like, I didn't choose this. Yeah. I did a pirate. I did glam pirate. Oh my God. Yes. And I made jokes about the two front teeth. Yeah, but it was technically one, so I was like, I guess I'm just being greedy. These, are, you know? I, these two are attached. It's like two teeth attached. Yeah. Well, when I originally lost my teeth when I was nine to twenty one, I did. They were um, fake molded temporaries that right. my family finances were such that they were meant to be temporary for like six yeah. months. Ended up being from nine to twenty one. So they held this, that. Um, they also had braces on my teeth that they didn't pay the orthodontist. So it kept my teeth. I had braces for like six years. Yeah. So they had started collapsing in because of the space and then the braces reset them and stayed on until I was 21. The orthodontist took me to court and it was like, I was a minor. And it was like this whole crazy thing. But then I was in a small car accident where I bit down wrong and compromised one of the implants. And that is why I had it as an adult again for like, you know, our twin sister. Yeah. So I lost the teeth when I was nine, didn't have money to get me teeth until I was 21. So God I bless just, my mom. Cause I didn't either. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I, I now as a parent cannot understand how that wasn't a priority, but you know, we all make different no one is prepared. It's not a thing yeah. we talk about. It's I didn't have a dentist when this happened, you know, like it was, it was a crit and it was, trauma when you're trauma you don't even know what to do so um so when months after my accident and everybody was so and now I'm healed and I've got my Maryland bridge in and all this stuff I at the time so my brand is strangers to friends it is my way of showcasing that we're all connected through synchronicity and when I share mine I give you permission to share yours and that's where I was hosting my blogs so and I was uh because the universe is always right on time, a friend had mailed me. Um, I just had my abortion, remember? And right. so uh, Brene Brown's book, The Gift of Imperfection, had just come out. My friend calls and says, I'm mailing you a book. So I'm really friend know what oh, you yeah. would all my all my good friends know. I just said so, it like um how emotionally was your recovery from the abortion? 
I know there's like a lot of physical ramifications. So when I went in, well, first of all, when I was rushed into the ER, I said, my vital, my blood work is going to say I'm pregnant because it's all in there. Oh, I was a, I was a hot mess because I was still living in, I was a, I was still existing in a lie. I was still not being completely honest with him because at this point I didn't even know what to do. And we were just in this existing space. Um, I was, had lied to my social media. And mm-hmm. so I felt like a fraud, but all my best friends knew. Like it wasn't anything I hid from people that were in Your my life. Inner my inner, yeah, my inner support, yeah. my parents knew, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and emotionally, I just didn't know how I was ever going to, what, what me looked like on the other right. side of all, all right. this because I still had so many, you know, my foot, for example, the, the surgery had been rescheduled. My podiatrist was amazing. And I just said, can I use you as why I'm not having the surgery? I don't know how to face this. My friend was coming over to make me dinner. I wasn't even like, I didn't know what to do. And he said, well, and the whole foot breaking thing. It's almost like the sign of being, it trapped. was, oh, it was, you know? I wouldn't have known I was pregnant. I wasn't late yet. I was, I was only three weeks pregnant. They were like, Oh, congratulations. You're so early. You don't even have to make a decision. And I go, no, my decision's made. I want surgery. And they're like, we can't give you surgery because you're in your first trimester. I go, no, I just want my foot fixed. I'm a runner. Please help me. Like, please, please help me. And I was begging. I was in there 45 minutes, literally crying and begging for them to honor what I knew I wanted. And legally they couldn't. So I had to bring my boyfriend who was in the lobby into the OR with me and have this conversation right there. And then it so was how did he very traumatic because he wants to be a dad. Oh, I, I, and I don't even know how I, I try not to share too much of his story, but I don't know. It's won't. his story. I get that. Right. Yeah. But, um, I made it really hard on him because it took me because I was so early. I didn't, they're like, Oh, you have time. So I'd make the decision and then he'd cry and then I'd back out of the decision and then I'd make the decision and he'd say, I'm good with it. And then I felt bad. And so that's why I called my mom and said, I'm dragging us both through the mud. Like he lost like 15. I mean, it was, it was bad. And um, I just said, mom, I need you to come out here. I need to, I'm going to get paid to be put under Um, my biggest uh, part of my abortion story is you know, I didn't know what to expect in terms of waking up. And I wake up in this room when a lazy boy and I'm in blankets and it's really comfortable. Um, and I just assumed, I mean, I mean this in the nicest way. I just assumed there'd be like younger, I didn't know what to expect in terms of other women. And there's one other woman in the room with me and it turns out we're the same age. And it turns out she has three kids and it turns out her and her husband were like, we can't have another. And I, ne- I have chills all over. I never in my wildest dreams ever thought that that would be a reason why somebody would choose to not extend their family. Mm-hmm. I, and I couldn't imagine being- Well, in- they make it sound like all abortions are rape and incest, but only right. 1% of abortions, yeah. that's the reason. Right. You know? And so, yeah. So emotion, when you say, how was I emotionally, I was, um, 
I was a shell of myself because I was a shell of myself for everything. And then that on top, and then your hormones are just crazy. And, um, so I was just hormonal in all the ways, you know? And so I, my going back to my Brene Brown, um, I'm reading the book, the gift of imperfection. Now I'm reading it two weeks after an abortion and two weeks before teeth loss, who knew? So I'm reading it (laughs) when this accident happens. And so eight months after the accident, when all the silver linings and the hindsight and the, um, the, the, the lessons learned were present, I decided to write a blog and I entitled it uh, top five lessons learned from losing my front teeth. And I essentially wrote the story. Well, I also quoted Brene Brown in it and I tweeted it to her. Well, she retweeted it. And so uh, she was like brave story by, you know, yeah. her, at the time my Twitter was a different handle, whatever, but she retweeted it. And this is how some people that resonated with my story Mind you, the only part of the story I wrote was the teeth part. All I wrote in the first paragraph was a lot of been going on in my life before my accident. So there's a more of the story I need to write because I didn't write any of that, but right. I did write how I responded to my accident. And so a woman in Denver uh, who'd been living in shame, having lost her teeth 18 years prior from a softball accident, reached out to me and said how much my story meant to her. And I, in the, you know, strangers to friends at this point is already my existing brand. And I can go into more of that later, but I already knew um, my, our stories connect us all. And I'm a catalyst. This is what, this is my purpose. Right, right, right. Healing happens when you feel seen, heard and understood. So I say, well, you got to meet me for taco Tuesday and take your teeth out. It's the only way we're going to get together. And sure enough, she did. And it was, a very powerful experience for her. And, um, I wore, I, I, I already had the shirt. Whoever smiles first wins. Um, it wasn't my shirt at the time. Now I sell them, but I befriended the woman who originally was selling them. And, um, I was, I feel like I have to just make sure the listener heard that part you said about healing happens when you feel seen, heard and understood. I just feel like we have to like, big. that is my, that is my mission right because when people say to us oh i'm sorry Uh you know right i love how you were like you know because it's not just the words it's how are you connecting with me how are you our soul sisters (laughs) how are you altering how your treatment of me but an apology without a change of behavior. I'll have to send you an interview. I was, I'll have to send you an interview. I was recently on. Um, so, you know, part of my story, I was diagnosed MS 25 years ago and I was a part of an MS, an educational synopsis, um, some of some sort. And, uh, they interviewed me and I said to them, one of the, one of the parts of my story that anytime I speak to somebody newly diagnosed with MS or, their best friends died, which is my story as well, or they lost their teeth, all the things I say, um, it's, I don't believe, and I'm sorry, because I don't believe in sympathy. I believe in support. And I, I could never victimize you because I'm not a victim. And so when I'm introduced to these people, I have a very, I've developed my own way of introducing myself without using the word, sorry. And I don't believe in sympathy. I believe in support, support. Yeah. So I say it's um, empathy is great, but understanding is better. And well, and if as a follower of Brene Brown, you know, she has that whole thing about sympathy and empathy that. Right. And this was me before I knew Brene Brown. 
So I will say this, the way I introduced myself, like, let's say you found my story. Cause I, you know, I'm a coach and I talk to people sometimes on just one-off conversations as well as helping them through their journey. And let's say you just wanted to talk to me about the teeth because I, you wanted some hope and you wanted to talk to somebody that got it. When we get on the phone, I always say, you know, I, I, I wish these weren't the circumstances for which we're meeting, but I am so happy to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, is, there's a lot of empathy and moving forward. And I'm not judging you for what this moment is and this pain that you're in right now. You know, I really yeah. like that. And that was me having, cause at first, you know, I had to go through my own journey of accepting my stories. And then I didn't really think I'm going to use my stories as something like it was more, I was groomed into this. Like I wasn't trying to be a something. I'm just like, well, this is how I chose to heal. This is how I chose to heal. Oh, I'm supposed to help others now. But like, I was getting all the messages and stuff that I just finally was like, oh, this is, this is part of my story. And my MS was happened in 1997 before there was Google, before there was social media, before, before there was any, a lot of these medicines that for anything. And yeah. so I went on a self my journey was all of self. It took me 10 years before I met anyone else my age with it. So I know the journey, right? Um, my mother was diagnosed with MS, um, in 2002 while I was pregnant with my son and she had like, you know, one of those like strokes. Uh-huh. So she literally couldn't talk. And I was thinking, I'm not financially prepared to take care of my mom yet. You know, I'm got, I'm just about to bring my first. How is your mom now? She is 78. Six now, yeah. But how is she feeling? Um, she's she's not doing too good. Okay, doing we too can good. talk offline a little yeah. bit. <laughs> go down, go down that. Um, no, it's but- just uh, you know, she's also got the Parkinson's, dystonia, osteoporosis. Hello. My grandmother um, tried to abort her, and so she's got basically every neurological problem because tried to. Yeah, it was an unsuccessful abortion. Oh my! She was too far along. And so, um, the day my mother came home with her brain scan and collapsed on the floor. And then I, you know, violated her privacy and looked at it and it was like sand, you know, how you have like layers of sand and you like poke a stick through it. It's exactly what part of her brain looked like. Oh, God bless And her. you know, the whole betrayal of that for her, you know, obviously has fa- flavored a lot about how I feel about abortion. Um, yeah because, but she's got tons and tons of neurological issues because part of her brain is scrambled. Yeah. You know, so wow. that's a, that is, a, I've never heard a story. And of like course that. then, um, abortions were illegal. Right. And I don't, I think it should be purely a medical decision, not a political right. decision. Right. I'm not for them. I don't want them for, for me, the record, but it shouldn't be you know, we, I, I, it's so upsetting how they make this, um, you know, uh, a deeply religious person's never going to be like, oh, okay. It's no big deal. Right. Right. But once you make it political, you're asking people to choose between their religion and their politics going down and it's an impossible slope. decision. You know, well, I do want to say to your listeners as well as you, um, he's very happy. I made the decision I did. He married the woman, like if I could have picked out the perfect woman for him that I knew he should be with, because again, I, 
I feel that kind of stuff too. Right. He married her. They have two beautiful boys. They are living. No, and I, I, I don't judge people that do it. Right. It's not something I would do and I wouldn't right. be voting for it because it's not something I would do. I have to be right. in my integrity, but that's why it should be a medical decision, not a political one, because once you make it political, you're preaching it. Right. And I, you know, my story we don't have religion be political right. so that we're not preaching religion. Right. People have a choice to accept or not accept. Right. But political ideology becomes a religion when you po- force people to have to make a decision. And remember, I was unemployed. I had a broken foot. I was in an unhealthy relationship. But you, you get to make that decision. For make everything that, decision. that you weigh in your life. It's not for me to judge that. Thank you. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not something I would do and I can't politically be like, yay, we need to have abortions. Right. That's not something I would do, but I'm not either be like, yay, we shouldn't have it. We shouldn't even be a thing. Well, I don't even want to, I, I wouldn't go that far. I was given the choice to abort two of my kids. Yeah. And I was in a wheelchair because I chose not to, and I have hit problems to this day because I chose not to. So I am very well aware of the psychological and physical ramifications of continuing a pregnancy that is not cohesive. So when, for all so when you asked me earlier, what was my emotional response to it? I had zero regret. Yeah. And that's the thing is you get to make that decision. Yeah. I was so your ideology. The right? moment I found out, like I, I live literally my life from the place of fear and love. I literally mm-hmm. feel my intuition, feel my heart know which way to go. And I know when I ignore it, that's when bad things right. happen. And that's I because you made a decision based on your whole person. Right. And I'm making a decision based on my whole person. Totally. And once it becomes political, people are being forced to say, well, this isn't what I, this is what I would do. This is what I wouldn't do. And it comes across, I think more judgmental than people. Oh, absolutely. Right. Because so- it becomes a preaching of things. And, it, and that's why it should just be government should be out of abortion. Right. Government should be out of marriage because these are religious institutions really at the core. You know, we should so, all just file our taxes, you know, again, as independent people. Yeah, done. It's done. done. And that and way so people like, are arguing about what forms of marriage are okay. You know, when I was going to say, this is just another one of my stories that I can choose to share that another woman was in any way, shape or form relates to what I share. And it's so important you're sharing it because both sides are so entrenched in the worst case scenarios. Right. And when we humanize these things, it helps people to kind of be like, oh, so let's take the deep religious person who like, like I'm a deeply religious person. I would not choose to do that. I put my life on the line to not do that. My decision would never force someone else to make that same decision because then right. I'm, I'd be like, are you, you want to and take care and pay for this while I, you know, figure my life out. That was me. Like, I, right. I but I'm then I'd be forcing that. my faith on someone else right. and that is inappropriate. And I don't believe in bringing in a child personally for me, like if I, I'm not against having kids. Like if I met somebody now, I mean, I'm 44 and I'm perimena. I don't think it's going to happen, but if I (laughs) met somebody now and we were in love and we wanted to make a human being, I'm all in. Like it's not, I'm not anti-children. 
Right. But making a child in your whole situation, that was the decision you made. And it was, and that was the right decision for you. So because um, it shouldn't be a political decision is all I want to say is it shouldn't be political, but when they make these things political, you create natural divides of people instead of what you're, what you're all about. What I'm all about is bringing people together and just hearing their story. So can I share a little bit about about this t-shirt that I'm wearing? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. My shirt says, whoever smiles first wins, but the real story is when you're smiling for yourself, you're already a winner. Mm-hmm. So my whole message. Now you, I want to make sure because listener can't see what you did. Okay, you did a mind heart thing. I do. You I touched your mind and you touched your heart, and so you're literally talking about the physiological, the intellectual, the hormonal, the just the power of a the smile, journey of heart. loving yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Like we're in our minds, and we have to take these stories and draw. I mean, I can get like emotional from this. That's like, okay. We have to drop into our hearts. So when strangers, so after I met Kim with her teeth loss, she reminded me the power of sharing stories. And I realized I can't just sit here anymore. I've got to start, I've got to start contributing. So I, uh, and I haven't even told you how I started living strangers to friends because it started in 2009, but I'm not going back all there because now we're at 2015, 2015, And um, so I started a meetup and I caught the stranger, I caught strangers to friends. And, um, I start by, I, I was good friends with the uh, head brewer at a brewery called strange craft brewery in Denver. And he was like, why don't you just invite people here and gather them? And like, I'll donate the first beer so you can charge $10 and at least like feel like there's something in it. So that's how it started. It grew to 3000, 3000 plus people meet up awesome. two and a half years. I, by myself, unless I partnered with local businesses or partnered with local entrepreneurs, um, facilitated what I call the stranger to friend experience. And the whole, my target audience was normally like anywhere between 35 and 55, but it skewed other sides too. And my whole thing was, we're always in between stories. Our job changes, our health changes, our relationship changes. We're new to town. Something in our identity we've had to, we're either letting go of or we're having to accept. And when we're right. going through Because thing, we're not stagnant beings. Right. Yeah. So when we're in this space and we're wobbly, we're in the quicksand, or we're just looking to shame, change our change our story. You know, nothing negative had to happen, but just changing our story. Where do you go connect with people where it's safe to share your story, but you're not dating. You're not looking to date, but maybe you meet somebody that you find friendly and you date them. I don't know. Maybe you're not looking to network. Cause I call it lead with you. Not what do you do, but right. when you meet friendly people and then you learn what they do. Maybe you want to do business, but the intention right. behind what I was facilitating is everyone's coming together for the same reason. So there's no fear. There's no fear of rejection. Can't be rejected. Everyone's coming for the same reason. That's one of the things that keeps people from connecting. Yeah. And I would facilitate it in a way that everyone was sharing part of their story, but not necessarily. I I had to like make it. So it wasn't, I, I used to say, how do you make support cool? You make support cool by having it at a coffee shop or brewery. And, and I made everyone wear name tags because if you don't remember someone's name, it's another block to keep you from connecting. And I would lead with open-ended questions and I'd have people write the answer to their question on the name tag with their name, first name only. We don't need last name. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah. And these were conversation starters. What kind of questions are they? So um, for example, I would, for example, because I was facilitating and I, 
from a psychological perspective can can read people. So um, the question for one of the, my favorites was, what is something unique about you we wouldn't know unless you told us? Now there's two different, right? Right. And that's a perfect example. I just pointed to my teeth for the listeners. Well, the yeah. people is a perfect example, but here's the thing. There's two different types of people on the planet, or at least I kind of broke it down into two different groups. I would say that First of all, the first question I would ask is, are you a hugger or a handshaker? Mind you, way before COVID. But yeah. You a lot well, that's about, that's about, about consent and personal bubbles right. of safety. And space yeah. and trust and all the stuff. So you learn about, you learn a lot about somebody just with that question too. So right. um, I would watch the people's body language when I would present this question. Like you responded in your body language, right? Yeah. There would be the person that would go, and I'm like slouching a little and I have this look on my face where I'm like, oh shit, I don't. People are going to hug me. <laughs> no, not the hugging part, just what's something unique about you. I wouldn't oh. notice. So right. I watch people. I mean, I didn't hug people if they didn't want to be hugged. They'd always come up to be at the end though and want to hug. I'd watch, they transform in the, in the event. So, yeah. uh, but I'd watch people get insecure. Oh gosh. I don't know what to share. I don't have anything worthy. And I'd look at mm. them and I'd go. That I don't yeah. have anything worthy. Such a lie, right? Everyone Such has a lie. So yeah. I, I, it's me welcoming everybody until I started paying people to help me a little bit. But right. I would say to them, oh my gosh, you know, what's so great. I know absolutely nothing about you. Have you read a book, a book that you like lately? Has there been a good book that you enjoyed? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, oh, well, that's unique. I haven't read that book. Maybe if you write that book that you read on your name tag, there's somebody else here that would enjoy that genre, enjoy that book, because the intention behind the question isn't to brag. The, mm -hmm. the question is, you what's something you, you get to know others? What's something you would enjoy talking about? So that's one person. The other is someone more like me. Oh my God. I have so many stories. Do I start alphabetically or chronologically? Like, what do I? <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm clearly not in the, I don't have interesting stories. Right. Exactly. Yes. So, so for that individual, I'd be like, I get it. Me too. Here's mm -hmm. the thing. But I, it's, I love how you're making sure you're addressing this idea of the shame around. We don't think we're enough because that is a fear of everyone. Yeah. And it's my story enough. too. I became and you're, making sure that person who is not the extrovert storyteller that they can realize these are just differences and it's you're still fascinating well and there's nothing you wrong with being and there's nothing wrong with being like introvert means just means you you know your energy better than others you protect your energy it's like no big deal mm -hmm. but there's a stigma i'm married it. to one so yeah he actually ends up protecting my energy there you go. It's balance. Yeah. And part of, I mean, my journey, like the version of me you're hearing right now is the product of my journey. I was a, I was a very insecure. I mean, my MS, if we wanted to go down that rabbit hole of where I think my MS came from, it's because I was so freaking toxic with my eating disorder, with my self-talk, with everything in the comparison and chameleoning into things, you know? Ooh. Yeah. So, and that, that chameleoning led not you living your you're it not led you to further pain and that's not having that inner dialogue. Well, and that is where so much of dis-ease comes from because that's stress. Mm. So there's mm -hmm. a whole, when, when I share my story of MS, I say the happier I got, the healthier I got. That's a yep. big part of my journey because I had to address things. 
and it's not fun to address things, but when you start addressing and start listening, things change and you start feeling better because you're mentally and emotionally feeling better. So now you're making healthier decisions. I mean, it's all connected. Right. And so, um, yeah, I love, I love how you just charted that out. Yeah. How they lead to each other. And that's the thing that just to kind of a, a capstone on this, you know, um, this abortion thing, right? right. Is I believe that ultimately what God wants for us is to learn. Yes. I and agree. We all there. are put in different places in with different, different circumstances, people. which I yep. believe are custom tailored to I do bring too. out the best version of ourselves, And that means we're going to go through trauma. We're going to go through pain. We're going to go through difficult, heart-wrenching decisions. Like what to do about a pregnancy that it's all lead to making us the best version of ourselves, the most kind version of ourselves. And that's the purpose of life. Well, not suffering is inevitable. I mean, right. You look at all the big religions, suffering is the journey to enlightenment, well, putting meaning on the suffering right. that it has right. a purpose. Right. So it's yeah. the, are you familiar with Joseph Campbell? Yeah. Okay. So it's the hero's journey. So when I share my story, I'm always like, well, my hero's journey began when I was 19 years old and I was diagnosed with MS and both my best friends died within 10 months separately, you know? And they're like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. the veil was ripped off pretty young. And look uh, at the smile. Look at, look at the energy. And then then they say to people, the way I respond to things now, I can flip a story on its back so fast. When I was first diagnosed and my friends first died, I did have a, some of a superpower to now, respond. Did they to. have MS as well? Or no, two separate car accidents. I buried it uh, next to each other. Uh, Literally one died, Meredith died. Margaret called me to tell me Meredith died. And then Margaret died. And I buried uh, them next to each other. And, but there's a whole story behind that too, because I became, I have a whole connection with the other side, like it telling you like all the stories. All of it became. All of it became. Yeah. And you're, I allow more, you know, referred to, you know, universe energy, I call it God and spirit. But the thing is the same, the same things of truth parallel through both of the stories that we are meant to be the hero of our own lives, not unable, incapable victims punished. We're not here to be punished. Right. Yes. And, um, and I tell people the best thing that ever happened to me was for my journey was being diagnosed with MS because I wasn't aware of my body. I mean, I had paralysis on my left leg this on my second exacerbation in 2004. So I know these aren't just like, oh, I had optic neuritis. Like I had symptoms, you know? So I know what it means to appreciate your body. I also learned at a very young age, not only from my MS, but from the deaths of my friends, I wasn't invincible. Mm. And that was one of the biggest, which is an interesting lesson to live when most people around you are still were, um, I'm invincible, which I I thought that I still think I am invincible. Actually, I believe I am, but, but I actually physically, you right. know, you have limitations, but there's an invincibility. If I can do a story arc with this exactly of the soul. Yeah. And so where we learn our physical limitations, we also learn who we really are and what our capacity is. And you could put me in a wheelchair and I would still live joyfully. I've been in a wheelchair, so I know that. Right. Right. And so that is that 
that whole thing to learn to become the hero story to piggyback just, on this yeah I always say like when we hear because people say oh I'm inspired by you and I'm like wonderful that's I'm grateful that you resonated with that but when we get inspired by people I believe the only reason we are inspired by people or at least I know when I'm inspired by somebody is because I've never been in that circumstance and I actually don't know how I would respond to that circumstance, but I don't at this moment know I could respond the way they did. And so I put that. However, in- surrounding yourself with stories of resilience, right. stories of perspective like yours of how you've switched, how you've looked at different things, help put a seed in others' minds that if when they come against hard things, they could choose to be open to the lesson and the wisdom but if we surround our stories ourselves with i can't Mm -hmm. it's impossible then we become victims in our life regardless of our circumstance we become victims so every year uh starting in i did four fifty three four three day 50 mile walks for ms while living in san diego First Which did, for people who don't know about MS, that's a big deal because yeah. people who have MS are not supposed to get too hot, too cold. And, but we yeah. all look, people with MS are like snowflakes. So everyone kind of has it differently. Mm-hmm. You almost can't, that's why I'm, you know, I have a, a love hate relationship with people saying, this is how you heal because I do believe we're all our own blueprint and you have to treat your body right. like a science experiment. But anyways, um, the first year, I didn't know you were supposed to be on a team. I signed up by myself and did the three-day 50-mile walk. And then I met people and I was like, oh, I don't actually have to do this by myself. You know, I can have a team. <laughs> so I formed a team and the name of my team was Team Optimistic with the M and the S capitalized oh. in the word optimistic. Yeah, love Because sh- I've always said that is one of the most, I believe the most powerful ingredient to my healing journey was that I never allowed myself to be a victim. And you have this choice, even if my health declines every day up until in this journey, I've lived better than I would have lived had I not gifted myself the perspective I've given myself. I'm not saying you're going to cure your cancer by believing in positivity, but I can say you're going to live better days while you're here on earth if and you're you becoming, your, you're becoming you something. The gift yeah. of, of this idea that you still deserve and can and will and all this stuff, then you get that. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of stories. And so the teeth thing, going back to the shirt now. So yeah. the teeth, the teeth Which shirt says, whoever smiles first wins. It's so super cute. We'll share yeah. the link to the shirts. In Absolutely. Your- yeah. Then I have baby onesies and I have hoodies and I have, <laughs> and I have phone cases and all the things. Right. So, um, so reality is I use my teeth as a metaphor. You don't have to lose your teeth. Like what do, what are your teeth? What are, where's, where's your, what's your story? And so when I wear this shirt, um, you know, again, it goes back to when you're smiling for yourself, like what gets you out of bed? What do you have to smile through? Like, what is your story? And so I say our stories connect us, our smiles connect us all because so much of this is, it's an action oriented shirt. You see somebody wearing a shirt that says, be kind. And you're like, that is lovely. But I have no idea if you're kind when I walk away from you. Like you don't see them being kind in the moment. You just hope they really well, are. And also it can become 
preachy. Yes. Agreed. You know, a little bit of virtue signaling, whatever I kind agree. of phrase you want to put on it, where this is saying, I'm willing to put myself out there. Yes. I'm willing to do, like you said, the action, not just the preaching. Yes. And it creates action. I cannot tell you how many times, first of all, favorite places to wear it by far uh, in an airport, the security guards, these are people you're seeing so many people when you get on that flight and you're walking down the narrow row and people are like kind of looking at you, but not, you're like, do I make eye contact? It's like this weird space. You're getting on the airplane. I look right at people and Mm -hmm. I'm like, smiling with my shirt on and everyone smiles. And, but when I'm on an elevator, sometimes I forget I'm wearing it. And literally someone will walk up to me. Someone will be like, Oh my God, I win. There's very often times I forget <laughs> I'm wearing it. I forget I'm wearing it. People will come up to me. And the- okay, I want you to have little smiley face stickers. Yes. That you start going around and putting on the way. I could. Wouldn't I could. that be adorable? Especially I have a little sticker. I was playing around. This is my first, my first attempt at a sticker, but it's not, I tried to make yeah, No, I'm just like those little ones you get at the dollar store. Yeah. That'd be oh, like, so when people are like, I won, you're like, ah, and yeah. put a smiley face on yeah. it. And then throughout the day, it's going to be like this little reminder when people are like, what's the smiley sticker yeah. for? You're like, I will you know? say this more people smile at me than run up to me and say, I win, but I could let them know that they are a winner, but it, it always makes people smile. And that is my intention because you have to make eye contact. There's an, there's a yep. true, and in a world right now, I always say we live, I've been saying this for yes, like, yes. My tagline for so many years has been in a world more connected, but more disconnected. Right. Our stories connected. Cause right. our eyeballs now, are looking at our phones right. instead of the human soul, right. which is but through the eyes. It's, but it's the smile that connects all, but it's really the story behind our smile that connects. All and all. it's very easy to, this is a personal platform of mine to other other people to make them less than if you don't see them as human. And if we don't look in their eyes. Oh, when I went out. So two days after my back accident, I looked rough. Okay. The swelling had kicked in. I couldn't even find my face. Okay. It was very scary, but I have 82 stitches on my face. Oh my God. So my face looked really rough at nine. See the heart. I have some makeup on it. My scar is actually the shape of a white heart. Of course it is. Of course it is. And a seven-year-old pointed that out to me. She's like, did you know I have a heart above your I was like, oh my God, I love you. Mine just took out the dimple that comes in my family. (laughs) I got a free, um, people get injections in their lip. You know, this was, my lip was a lot more pencil thin, but this is all scar tissue. Yeah. Yeah. So now when I smile. A little heart. There you go. I have, How cute I have like a wider people. I have like a filler. I wouldn't and, notice if you hadn't pointed it out, but I think it's super right. cute. No one, no one would notice if I hadn't pointed it out. Yeah. But, um, but you know, we just went through this phase of masks and I don't want to get political on anything either, but we just hid our universal language. Right. And, and children. Them. And we're children. still masking our kids, so not getting wearing, political. <laughs> yeah. So wearing this shirt established yeah. me as friendly Established mm. me as approachable. You're not going to wear this shirt if you're a jerk. Okay. Right. Right. So how, how do, so I started selling these online, November, 2021. No, November. No, I take that back. November, 2020. Uh-huh. These on, right. uh, online. Adam during the pandemic. Yeah. Right. And so, I and prior. No. Yeah. Oh, I had the shirt. So I personally bought a shirt that said whoever smiles first wins in 2011. And uh-huh. I've been wearing it for, it, it was the Carlin shirt. Everyone knew it as my shirt. So when I had my right. teeth accident or whatever, 
but it, a woman named Michelle in San Diego was the one selling it. And then she stopped selling it. We, she, you know, how she found me, you know, how we connected. How it was my profile picture on LinkedIn. I was wearing her shirt. Oh, how cute is that? And she was she, like, wait a minute. This is the synchronicity. How and it looks like you branded it to um, strangers put, to friends. Like, strangers to friends is trademarked. So uh-huh. this isn't trademarked. The whoever smiles first wins. So yeah. for now, I just did the my trademark on it just to kind of show because I don't own it. There actually are other things out there that say yeah, yeah. But right now I am still keeping the exact same design that that Michelle used, and that is this typewriter writing. I like the typewriter writing because it feels very like back to basics. But yeah. I have a vision of having this in different languages and the word smile in different languages. Yes. yes. Something to create. And I'm still at the beginning stages. Like I didn't mean to become an entrepreneur. I kind of just had all these stories and I'm like, what the heck am I doing with all this? But and you I- know what I love is that you were able to figure out a way, something that had gotten you through your hard times. Yes. And yet the universe, or I would say God, you know, gave you a capacity to live out your passion in total accountability. Yes. And she got coffee They're mugs and everything. Cup of smiles. Cup of and smiles. I can see you've got little bubbles inside of those. Those are. Oh, and, and look, they're also branded with. Oh, how cute is that? Because I, uh, I blow bubbles everywhere and I believe uh, my uh, bubbles make everything better. Um, yeah. It's impossible. <laughs> bubbles. Bubbles do make everything better. Oh, I'm the pie piper of other people's children. A crying baby. Moms love me. Yeah. At church, I lead the little nursery group, you know, and we always end up with bubbles. So you're going to need, I'll have to give you the link to a company that I've partnered with, um, semi-partnered with, and they're actually based in Chicago. Where are you? I'm in Utah. Oh, you're in Utah. Utah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking Chicago, but anyways, been there. A company, times. Yeah. <laughs> a company um, that makes non-toxic edible bubbles and they're flavored. So they're marketed to age two plus. So oh, that way, that. and so I, they sent me some and they actually have bacon flavored ones for dogs. So they sent me some because they're not this, I like this one ounce size because I can carry them in my purse and they're easy to hand out. These other bubbles are like normal bottle of bubble size. So they're a little harder to hand out, right. but um, I'm trying to share. I've, I've written a children's book that I haven't actually written. It's just written, but it's not illustrated. Get it out there. It's not yeah. published, but I've held on to it for like five years now. So I need to actually get it out there. Yeah, you'll do it. You'll do it. Okay. I, I sadly, we are running out of time, but I want to make sure that. Oh my God. There's so the, much. I know because we're just having, we're just having too much fun and you've got all these fun things. And we'll this has been a really fun. I've been interviewed a bunch and this, I love all the directions that this conversation just went into. And I appreciate you going deeper on air t- subjects with me rather than just me sitting here telling my story because that's right. oftentimes what happens. Well, I've been interviewed a lot of times too. And they ask you the questions beforehand and I get that. They don't want to have surprises or whatever, but to me, I'm like, that's not really a conversation because the conversation is going from point A to point B to point P to point C where really maybe it's meant to go to G and you know, W or whatever. So conversations have different ways that they flow and I wanted them to be able to flow. But um, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story of perspective and how you and we could have different perspectives and still be friends. Absolutely. And I hope that the listeners can look at this and realize as much as you may hold something as sacred or precious or whatever to you, 
that does not give us the right to impose that upon other people. And likewise, we can expect you gave me respect back that we didn't, uh, I don't even want to say agree because it's such a trigger word, right? Disagree. It's just, uh, it wasn't even about agreeing or disagreeing. It was just seeing each other. Right. It was just seeing who we were and we didn't have to connect us all. Right. And we didn't have to be on the same, the same, um, the same page with it, but we could. And there's, right. there's a beautiful parallel it's of about non-judgment. It's yeah, all of, about non-judgment. Well, of your story and my story and how the commonalities and how you can just let people be who they are. Yeah. And that doesn't teeth or no threaten. teeth. Teeth or no teeth, right? We can teeth. with our with our bumps and bruises and we can love other people. And I love how your story reflects what you're teaching and what you're teaching reflects what you're becoming and oh, what you've become. I so thank it. you so much, Carlin. I thank just, you. I loved it. Thank you. So I'm going to thank you for being on this episode of- Let's take a share. picture. Yes, we'll do it right after. Okay. okay. Um, thank you so much for being on this episode of Share Your Hotness with Lady Grace. The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.